We hit double digits. We are back. It is bound for disappointment once again. If you're listening to this, you are bound for disappointment. It's the episode number 10 in our lovely series, season one, as they call it. My name is Kevin Charity. I am joined, as always, by Paul Mahone out there in Phoenix, Arizona. Show me your lightning bolt. It's not really Paul Mahone. Uh, Nick, uh, Mark, <laughs> Mark thinks he's Mark thinks he's slick, and so every time it it, it pops up, he does a, a different iconic uh, San Diego media person. Today he came in as a Nick P- Canapa, so I should probably say what's Says up, me. Nick. Says me. Um, so a couple things we wanted to get into today. Um, <laughs> the first thing is um, it's it's been a bad week for Hacksaw. Uh, <laughs> Uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. But first, you had some comments to make about the, the little intro yeah. before the show that I did because I, I apparently was unintentionally funny and well, I don't know what I did. Thing. Um, is this is this going to be feedback for me? I, I guess you could take that session? Way. So I don't I don't listen to All the right. show very much because I would rather listen to um, an electric drill screwing out my own eyeballs and the sound of my own voice, which I think is true for anyone that's ever had to transcribe an interview. And that is a hundred percent. It's I, I can, I can confirm that it's, it's, it's I, I can't, I, I check to like, just make sure that like the audio doesn't sound like crap. Um, like here and there, but like, I can't sit here and just listen to the sound of my own voice for an hour yeah. or however long. we end up it, It's horrible. Yeah. Like I would, I would rather, I'd rather listen to, I'd rather listen to a squirrel drowning than, than my own voice. Let's put it that way. And, but I put the thing on the other day just out of curiosity. And I know you put these intros on, which is great because, you know, you, you listen to it and you put this little intro on. But man, I'm sitting here and all of a sudden I hear like electric jazz guitar, like some Grant Green, like some, <laughs> you know, like sitting in the. In a little 1960s club, glasses are clinking. And here's cool Jazzbo Kevin sitting here with a cocktail, telling all of you quiet storm <laughs> listeners out there to stick around. Bound for disappointment. First of all, the thing's called Bound for Disappointment, and you got this like, like you're like trying to Miles Davis this thing, and you're like, I really, I'm really not trying to do anything. Um, that so the, in the, in the anchor app, that's how we record it because we're remote. Um, rather than having to transfer the file to my computer, try to find a music file on my computer and do it, they have pre like pre set ones, and that little jazzy one is the least annoying of the ones that I could that I could find. That's the I only mean, reason. I mean, I, I listen to a lot of jazz when I'm in the right mood, but there's just something about this podcast, you know. <laughs> I don't think of, I don't think of like Kenny Burrell or Grant Green. I'm sitting here like mellowing out, you know, you know. If I could snap, I'd be snapping. Like, I, I, like I listen to that. And it's just like, what the hell, Kevin? Like, where'd this come from? So is it bad? I don't know if it's bad. It's just so out of place. That, like, it really made it, it made me laugh a lot. Like, I because I just didn't like. Well, now I'm going to have to keep it because now it's I, I just didn't know where it's coming from. I didn't take you for such a uh, uh, a student of the uh, the jazz arts. I actually I like some jazz. Like I don't I don't listen to it regularly, but I took a took a music appreciation class in college, and uh, the first half of the semester was classical. The second half was jazz, and um, I enjoyed the jazz much more than the classical. 
um, part of the part of the uh, course was you had to go to a jazz concert and a classical concert, and so I, I much more enjoyed the jazz than than the classical. Uh, but you know, I, I can get down with some jazz. I can Apparently. appreciate it, but I'll, I'll try. I, I can find a different opening. I just was trying to make this easier. Um, I mean, I, I can maybe see there's a way to upload a Cannibal Corpse song or something and and uh, give a little intro uh, over Hammer Smash Face. I mean, I, I can make uh, that happen. Uh, we, we may have to stick with the jazz guitar. It, hey, it's soothing, all right? And, you know, you get into this. No, it doesn't really it doesn't fit at all. <laughs> the fact that now it is, it's like unintentionally funny kind of uh, – it makes me want to do it. It makes me want to keep it, keep it up and make it a bit. But um, the, the, the thing with Hacksaw I wanted to talk about, there, there's two things that are really, that are happening with him this week. The first one is you had the, um, I think it was last Monday or Tuesday. You had the tragic uh, Tiger Woods crash. Now, fortunately he lived. It's tragic. Cause he, dude, he almost lost a I'm, leg. Right? I'm he laughing died. about what happened. Tragic, I'm not right? laughing about the Tiger Woods crash uh, for full context. Right. Well, I'm it? glad Tiger Woods is okay. Uh, well, he's not he's okay. Alive. I mean, he had he's had surgeries on his. He's alive, but like for a guy who's chasing the major record and you know still has some years of golf left in him to have a, a debilitating injury that may quite require two years of rehab. Uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty bad, you know. Plus, you know, with with you know him having kids and just the whole incident's scary, and he. Doesn't seem like there was alcohol involved. I don't think that's come out yet. I think it was just he was speeding and he screwed up and crashed his car. Thankfully, he lived. Um, he it looks like he crashed a Bentley, so it, it's a good thing it he has a, like a, a nice car that was uh, safe. Genesis. It was a Korean luxury SUV that's new to the market. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, but I mean, having a safe car in that situation definitely helped him. So um, that might be a. a in advertising, like, hey, we kept Tiger Woods safe, and he didn't die. Yeah, they're, they were talking about that. Cause I think it has like um, ten airbags, and if he had been driving, you know, any any normal slapdick car, he'd he'd be dead. Is what they were saying. That's crazy. How do you like? There's like, does they just come out yeah. like, in all directions? Like one comes up from like your ass. Yeah, it's and, like, it's just like a, a a wall of of airbags. Like I mean, he. I think that's why the injuries were more focused on the lower body. See, I, I'm very excited because I my car, I have a Toyota Corolla. It was recalled recently, and I finally got the airbags replaced. Now I'm stoked because if I get in a car accident, metal shards uh, aren't going to shoot out of my steering wheel and kill me. So I got that. I, thing I like that so you're always looking on the bright side. But, like, hey, you know, I'm not going to catch a bunch of shrapnel if I get in a crash. Well, yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to keep things positive. We're we're still in the middle of a pandemic. It's a year later. It's it's March 345th or whatever it is. You know, I'm just trying to keep things positive. But going back to the hacksaw point, hacksaw likes to do polls. I think he's just he's one of those guys that I, I, in the early days of Twitter, maybe in the last within the last couple of years, he used to put out polls all the time that like were really not done, and people would tweet at him like hacksaw. Here's how you do a poll, hacksaw. You're not doing a poll right. And so now that he figured it out, I think he's very proud of himself, and he puts out polls like every so often. I think he actually maybe he put out another one tonight. But the poll was like Tiger Woods escaped death from the car accident. Which way, which would scare you the most? Catching on fire, like getting ejected or whatever it was. He's basically turning Tiger Woods' tragedy into a poll. And it's still, as of yesterday, the last time I checked, it's still up there. 
Um, it's in horrible taste. He just puts it up there. Like, well, he, he um, put it up there and then he, he uh, retweeted it with the results. <laughs> well, it's like, okay, like, it's like you have a trot, you're drowning with your children. You can only save one. Which one are you going to pick? Like, who, nobody wants to, like, no, if I'm in a car crash, all three of the options, which is getting, you know, I don't know what, I don't even remember what they are. One, um, uh, one of them was getting here's trapped. the results from your hacksaw. Mini poll from Mr. Multimedia. Give me the results. 46% trapped in fire. 37% could have been ejected in rollover. 17% hit by oncoming car. And was there 6% having to listen to Axel? I'm surprised there wasn't a fourth one about the Chargers, but it's, it's amazing how... I mean, it, it's in totally poor taste to begin with, but it's like there's something that happened, and he's lucky to be alive. And like you said, he's in bad shape. He's he's been in surgery, in and out of surgery for a few days now, and he's lucky to be on this earth. And he's literally being that guy. It's like, man, that was crazy. But could you imagine if he got trapped in a fire? <laughs> what? Yeah, I mean, all of that is horrible. All of that is terrible. And I think making it a poll is just a weird move. And on top of that, he, he doubled down today. So there's been whispers and rumors about the Padres pulling off one more trade. You know, they've already had an offseason. If, if there was a, a, a an offseason champion uh, banner, they, they would have won it with all the additions we made. We don't need to rehash that and list all of them. But the Padres had a great offseason and the the last rumor is the Padres have kind of they let Kirby Kirby Yates walk, they let Trevor Rosenthal walk, and they kind of replaced them with Mark Melanson and Keone Kila on kind of on the cheap, which I think are you know both moves I liked. I mean, considering the money that was involved and uh, what those guys have done over the years, but the Padres don't really have a, necessarily an established big time closer. They have really four guys that can handle the role. Um, and I think all four of them, whoever you want to pick, could probably do a pretty good job in it. However, you know, the, the rumor was Josh Hader would be coming to the Padres um, in exchange for, you know, I would assume prospects. And so then people, I don't know where where this rumor started or, or, or I don't know. I, I think it was mostly done in jest. You can correct me if I'm wrong because you seem to be a little bit more uh, in tune with what's going on, on Twitter than I am. Um. But it, it started turning into it's Christian Yelich coming to the Padres. The Padres are going to get Hader and Yelich for a collection of prospects, and then people are like, "Hey, let's trade Jake Cronenworth in this hypothetical deal." And you know, I heard Joe Musgrove thrown in the deal, and so all these different things were happening. And every person that's been asked about it, like it's in the media, it's kind of shot it down. You know, people that have sources on sources. Hacksaw has doubled down on it, and is basically posted it on his website that the Padres have talked to the Brewers about acquiring Christian Yelich and Josh Hader. Um, today, the rumor is, if you check Hacksaw's site, he usually updates it uh, Sunday through Thursdays around 9, 8.30 or 9. Um, and I read it. Part of the reason I like to read it, his site is because I like to see how many names he misspells or how many names he gets wrong because it amuses me. Um, it's generally an average of two to three a day. Sometimes it's six or seven. And there's some people's names like that he doesn't even just try. He just knows he can't spell it. So he's just like, I'm just going to sound it out and just type it out and just hit, hit enter. Um, he said that the Padres today um, on, on his website 
have have talked about trading Will Myers and prospects right. with Christian Yelich, which he is literally the only reporter on earth that has this rumor. It's complete and utter bullshit, in my opinion. I mean, maybe it's not. Maybe he maybe he's onto something, but it seems like he just took a Twitter rumor. Yeah. So if you look for any talk of the Padres being involved with Yelich, what happened was um I think it was Dennis. It could have been Rosenthal. Someone came up with how um, in the hater talks, Preller's doing a Preller move and trying to lower the price on hater by including another contract, which a lot of people when looking at who would fit with the Padres and who the Brewers would want to get rid of the contract. It'd be Lorenzo Cain. And that would make sense because the rumor was the initial offering price that the brewers had on hater would start at musgrove plus prospects and musgrove's not someone that they want to give up so they're hoping to get around that by also taking on some money so if you look up the the history on twitter of where this came from it's from javi who was one of our padres twitter um friends uh mojave desert 23 he made a little i don't think i follow that guy I think he's. I, think, I, I think he's one of the more fairly recent. No, he's been on since seventeen. He's okay. probably more active lately. Um, he tweeted the rumor, which was like Myers, Cronenworth, whatever else, for a package surrounded a hater and Yellick, and he wrote it in a very professional way. It looks like a what you would write a sourced rumor on, and it got screenshot and put all over Padres Facebook by a bunch of boomers, and. All the boomers on Padres Facebook were having this debate on like, wow, you know, Preller's going for another white whale. He's going to take on another big contract. The Brewers can't afford to pay Yellick and start next year. He, make, he makes big boy money. Like, this is awesome. And Hexon must be on Padres Facebook because he saw all that rumbling and the screenshot of this professionally written tweet. And he put the Will Myers for Yellick rumor on his website. Like, that's what he's hearing. And the the thing there is the the brewers don't necessarily they're not a they're a very small market they don't necessarily have a lot of money but i think in 2019 they're also eighth in the league in attendance and christian yelk was obviously a huge part of that um i don't think he's going anywhere well if you look at christian yelch's contract between now and like you said the end of uh the deal here. I'm trying to pull it up as we speak here, but I want to say starting next year, he's owed like 26 million till like 2027 or maybe even it, it's a, it's a big it's, extension. Yeah, it's 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 hefty. Um, yeah, I mean, when you look at it, he's he made 12 million dollars last year per rate, obviously in the uh, the pandemic shortened season, but I I mean I. You, you, you've got to think that the Padres at some point have a limit to what they can what they can take on. And yeah, I mean Yelich is signed through 2028, and his deal that he initially signed with Milwaukee was was nine years, two fifteen. Uh, which you know, last year I don't know what you can make of a pandemic shortened season, but uh, he struggled. I mean, his, his OPS plus was 111, which you know is 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 okay. You know, that's that's. Above, slightly above average, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. It's not the MVP level that he's, he's been accustomed to the last two years. And 
who knows what, what, you know, what the, the culprit of that is. I think, you know, the fact that he only played, you know, in a 60 game season next last year, probably hurt him. But yeah, I mean, if you, if you look at his deal, I mean, he's making 14 million this year, which is a bargain, but it jumps up to 26 basically for 2022 through 2028. And then he's got in 2029, he's got a $20 million option with a six and a half million buyout. Um, so the Padres owing Tatis a ton of money, owing Machado a bunch of money. Uh, I, I don't see that happening. I, I just, I don't. And, and from, you know, we've seen, it would be, it would be kind of crazy because we've seen this off season, the, the Rockies who signed Aaron Otto to that big deal. I believe it was, was it, pri- it was prior to 2019 or 2020. I can't remember which it's fairly recent or 2019. I believe, um, I believe last year was the first year it kicked in, but, um, trading him like right into the, right into that contract right when it uh right when it happened and i think it's pretty nuts i don't i don't i just don't see that move happening but hacksaw hey, i mean if 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 this deal happens i mean we got to you got to credit hacksaw maybe you credit javi i don't know but uh it's it's, it's been a bad time for hacksaw I, I mean for a guy that doesn't really have good times i mean he doesn't really uh have a beat anymore he's kind of worked himself out of having a real prime spot in the, in the media this is a particularly bad week for the old saw he still gets credentials well, yeah, for i think it's crazy i, I know he well he, does he actually he does um, because mornings. like I, yeah like 6 30 9 30 in the morning that's part time of part time um he's the one guy that like in the media, I, I would have figured he would have found a way to put out a podcast. He, he steadfastly refuses, and, and he would actually uh, be perfect for the format. He really would because he was on a podcast um, a couple of months ago. I listened to, I used to listen a lot to uh, Ben Maller, who's a, the overnight guy on Fox Sports Radio, um, and I and I haven't listened to him really in in a long time. But back in the probably ten years ago, when I was working retail. Um, I used to stay up really late at night and he would be on overnights and I'd listen to him and um, the show's pretty funny. He's kind of become like a lot of sports talk radio where he's just gotten very like hot take, hot takey. I don't know. I don't know what you would call that. And they just, it's how much stupid shit can I say to get attention so that I get retweets and likes. And it's just, I'd rather listen to people that make me laugh and entertain me. And he's kind of gotten away from that, but he did a um, he has a, a podcast that he does called The Fifth Hour, where it's him and David Gascon, who actually used to work for Extra, Extra 1360, um, probably about 10 years ago as well. And they actually did a podcast with Hacksaw, where they interviewed him and kind of talked about his history because Ben Maller actually interned for Hacksaw. He, he would tell stories about uh, he was interning at Extra Sports 690. And would be screening calls for Hacksaw. And Hacksaw didn't like the way he was doing it or wasn't doing it fast enough. So Hacksaw would start screening the calls for him. Um, and just what a control freak he was. But Ben Maller would ask Hacksaw like one question. Hacksaw would talk for like six or seven minutes after every question. And just start telling stories and just talking about himself and how amazing he is. And it was, it was actually fairly entertaining. Um, Hacksaw is one of those guys that to me I've just always found kind of He's polarizing for sure, but like just growing up as a kid, it's like it's like when you grow up and, and you listen to like the Rolling Stones and you're really into them, and 
now you go see them and they're like 75 years old and they're probably not as good as they used to be. I mean, they still sell out stadiums, but I can't imagine the 2020 version or 2021 version of the Rolling Stones being anywhere on par with like that version you saw in the 60s or 70s or 80s, but you still kind of like it. And so I I would probably listen to a best 15 minutes podcast. Yeah, I think we lie. were both. I mean, we're in the age we were raised on, on Mighty 690. And I remember going to Charger games and that yeah. was the booth you wanted to go to. And you got like the, the trading cards and the, the foam footballs. I had so much 690 swag. And I think that's what sparked both of our interests and what we're doing right now this, this very second. And um, Saw is – I don't want to say a friend of my dad's acquaintance. Like they're 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 on good terms. Um, does your does Hacksaw yeah. actually know your dad's name though? Like, yeah, if, like, like, like would he be they, able to say that? Um, okay. They they know each other, and um, but they actually got to the point where they had to stop talking about sports, um, which is kind of funny to think about, and. It is funny because it super, is. sports is so superficial. I feel like that's like the one thing you can talk with people about, and it's not super controversial. Exactly. Because even but if you it, disagree, it's but like Hacksaw sports, is that old school talk radio where he wants to like yell his opinion at you, and then you're wrong, and he's going to disconnect the call. You know what I mean? Like, like you listen to like Ben and Woods and everyone now. The caller calls in. There's discourse. Back then, there wasn't. It was like someone calls in. They're like, you know, uh, I think Eric Metcalf should get get more snaps and he'd be like, you're a, you're a moron and and hang up. And like, that was like how shows worked back then. And it's still kind of how he is, but um, saw he's had his stumbles. Um, He's had his, his uh, there, there are reasons why he doesn't have the work that he has. And there, there are. um... Well, I mean, part of it is he's, he's in his seventies. I mean, he does, he's, he's lost his miles off the fastball. I mean, that's that's probably reason number one. And he's just so stubborn, like he kind of dismisses a podcast as a format when it would be the perfect place for him to go and tell stories of the old days. That would be exactly what he's good for. Uh, the guy used to do ASU. He was like the the voice of Phoenix when Phoenix was a pretty small sports town. And he left for San Diego to do the NFL, had that run. I mean, he, he grew up on Long Island doing minor league hockey. The dude's got stories. And he doesn't have that much of a place to tell him because he's on Twitter doing a poll about what Tiger Woods should have most feared when his car was rolling down an embankment. Yeah. So, um, yeah, not a good week for Hacksaw. So we'll, we'll leave it there with Hacksaw. But always, always fun to talk Saw. Uh, we, we can maybe make this maybe, – maybe one day we'll do a Saw Appreciation podcast. Uh, and – We'll do it when he's still alive. Let's uh, always, let's get vaccinated, and I'll come to town, and we'll get saw on. Let's the do thing. that. <laughs> you know what? If 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 you're if we could do make that happen, I would totally I, be I down. I know he's got some stories. Um, why not? I mean, we we haven't had a guest yet, and I don't know how you feel. I mean, we talked about this at, at the beginning. Like, I really don't want to deal with having guests on, to be honest. Um, unless it's like somebody that like I actually know because. I don't want to have to prep for all for an interview and I don't want to have to well, set everything up and do it. And we re, we record at weird hours because of, of my schedule. Here, so here's what just, I think about guests. Not conducive like, to we're not going to be able to do like, like a weekly guest or something, but I think post pandemic, I think at least a few times a year, I'll be able to go to San Diego and we can do one together and we can get a guest for that. Cause 
most of the people we'd want to talk to are out there. Or sometime we can end up on the road in some minor league town and try to find someone there. Like have it be like a special thing. Don't dismiss the idea totally, but I get like we're not gonna be able to do it all the time. That's fair. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, like, yeah, we're not gonna be able to do it weekly, like, but um, like, you never know what's gonna happen. If you look at, well, if you look at like the EVT podcast that they have, like they they they're James. I'll give him credit. Like he goes out there and he, and he hustles and gets guests. Like I don't I don't want to do it. Get guests. I like, do that. That's just too always, much effort. Like, I think they run a guest like, every time. Okay, but okay, with the kept faith, they they have a lot of legitimate guests. But like t- the the one they just posted today, it's friggin' Scott and whoever Padres IQ is. Like that's not like they had. That's just their friends. You're just that's like you're just saying you don't have friends. That's really sad. I don't. I but, really I mean, don't. They, I mean, they they put in effort. They put in effort. That's kind of that's and kind I of what you're saying. Friends, like we're not going to sit here every week and and be like, oh look, you know, Friar Phil again. Like we're not going to do it. But yeah. I don't that that actually no it wouldn't it wouldn't because Um, you'd have to softball it or you'd leave. You Uh, think he would? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It might be entertaining. No, and I'm not putting down the cap faith because I I really like I really like Nick and and they do get a good job. But I mean, they don't have like. Well, no, I'm, I, I'm just saying, like, they're formatted where, like, they, they find they, they, someone every freaking week to go on, and that's an effort that, um, yeah. I mean, I stopped, I stopped leaving, I don't, I, I don't stopped leaving my apartment to go to work, Flat so out. I'm not going to go out and find a guest for the pottery week. Yeah, seriously, and it's just because with a guest, unless it's somebody you have a relationship with, you have to have preparation, and you know, if. And I've interviewed players and stuff, and I don't necessarily think this is the right format to interview a random guy that plays for the Lake Elsinore Storm or anything like that. I just, I, I you know, when are you going to find the time, especially during the season? Like, no, 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 no player has an hour to spend or 45 minutes or whatever podcast interviews take. Um, so maybe, maybe in, in the future, but Hacksaw would be in my. Can you give three people, if we, if, if we got guests, three people off the top of your head that you'd want to grab? And you have to be realistic. Yeah. You can't say like um, Michael. Like Jordan realistically, I mean, that's actually a really good question. Um, I would actually put Hacksaw yeah. on there because it would either be the worst or best thing we ever did. Um, like that, put, that put would just be one where I just feel like that could be a beautiful disaster. Um, I mean, realistic is is is. I would love to get like what I'm. What I'm saying is, like, you obviously can't yeah. say, like, LeBron um, James, somebody who, or, like... Someone like Patrick the outer Mahomes realm of realistic, no I would love um, Flannery or one of those, like, old-school Padre kind of um, people. We could probably get Bob. Yeah, Bavacqua. Yeah, I mean, he gets out there a lot. Um, I would think, like, someone who probably has less airtime. Um, that would be interesting. Um, okay just a link kind of to the past where you're talking about things where like there wasn't, you know, new media back then. So there are a lot of stories that maybe we don't know, or just kind of a feeling where, I mean, everything was written by the papers back then. So it'd be interesting to kind of get that feeling. Um, that would be, that would be pretty high on my list would be someone of that, like Flannery, Terry Kennedy kind of era, like, like an, an 84 guy who maybe wasn't like a star. Um, so like that- 
So like, yeah, that, that, yeah. That I mean, someone thoughts, who like has thoughts. those stories of what it was like to be a Padre at that time, but it's not someone that they put a lot of microphones in front of. And I know Flannery, they put a lot of microphones in front of, but it was a lot about like his personality and his, um, I guess, eccentricities and all that. Just, um, um, but I'd love to know more about just like you know what was it like playing for the McDonald's guy in what at the time was not a major market and, and all that stuff. So that'd be really cool. Um, kept faith that Bob Chandler, which I thought was one that would have, would have been pretty high on my list. So it was really cool. They got to do that. Cause that's someone that I think deserves that, mm-hmm. that um, exposure. Um, trying to think like who else there would be. Um, if I had to pick like one player from like my childhood um, and this is something, have you seen how, um, while we're still on kept faith, how Dallas is doing uh, like the Padres canon where he's talking about like um, whether or not players deserve to be kind of like canonical parts of the Padres history, whether or not they're like legends. If I was picking someone from my childhood, who's not a hall of famer, not a maybe, but probably not a Padres hall of famer, definitely not a retired uniform, but someone I always wanted to just meet and talk to would be Wally Joyner. Um, I'm left-handed. Um, okay. When I wasn't pitching, I was always playing first base. I prided myself in my defense. Um, it's because you're like six foot seven. Of course, you're going to play first base. They're going to stick your ass on, friggin' anywhere I'm, else. I'm, I'm sneaky fast. And uh, Wally, you know, I always liked the guys like Will Clark, JT Snow, um, these like decent. Uh, I was Hosmer. a better fielder than the Hosmers now. Um, and. <laughs> oh. And. So like when Wally came to town and, you know, especially 96, he still had some, some bat and he was a great fielder. Just, I immediately fell in love, man. Like that was like my idol. I was playing the same position. Um, I just love the way, like what he added in the team. He was like the perfect fifth hitter that they needed. Um, great defense at first. Seemed like a good guy. Um, that would be like, like from that, from like 96, 98 era, Guys, I mean that was um, that'd be a dream to talk to Wally Joyner. Interesting, Hacksaw honestly would would be up there for me. Um, if, if we're gonna go in the same vein as, as somebody that I really liked, from really, there's two eras of, of Padres baseball that that, that I, I think of, um, and one is the the one that was just passed. I, I, I've always, I always love Chris Norfia and I don't know <laughs> if it's because he's of Italian descent and I am too. Um, and there's just really not, I know the Italian jokes on Twitter, haha. But um, I know the, uh, he, he just, there's not a lot of uh, guys that are, you know, of Italian descent in, in baseball. Uh, you don't really see it too often. And he just always, was always that guy. Um, he was like, how a lot of people hyped up Eric Owens. He's kind of the same, same type of player, except, that you knew Eric Owens was kind of crappy where DeNorfia was actually a pretty useful major league player. Um, he was a, a part of that very effective uh, platoon with Will Venable where like, if you combine them, they're an all, they were an all-star outfielder for a couple of years. And so he'd be an interesting guy to talk to. I know, I think he's with a coach of the Cubs now, but if you went back to that, that era of like nineties, late two thousands baseball, um, a couple of the guys that, that would stand out to me, Andy Ashby, I've always like loved him. Um, he was like always Love one Ashby. of my favorite players growing up. Uh, he's legitimately yeah. one of the best Padres. He, he should be in the Padres Hall of Fame. Um, 
I, you know, he's a very serviceable major league pitcher. Wasn't a great pitcher, but I mean, there were years, you know, he's a very solid number two, number three starter, just very good career. Um, I think he would be an interesting guy. And man, if we're going back from my childhood, um, you know, it's funny because a lot of the guys I would, I would say, unfortunately are deceased, right. you know, like Tony Gwynn, Caminetti, um, some of those guys, but uh, man, maybe, you know, may, maybe a guy like, like Andy Sheets or somebody like that that was on the yeah. team, like like, like, like a background Andy guy, um, might be kind of interesting. Yeah, because I don't right. think like the big guys are going to give you much. Like, I don't think Trevor Hoffman's going to come on and and first of all, he would never do this podcast in a million years. He's got better shit to do. But um, I don't know how compelling he would be. You know, well, here's here's one. I don't think he's going to um, spouting off stories. You, you know, know I, I've I'm fortunate I, enough I've met Tony and Trevor. Um, and like you said, I'm not sure they give us a great thing, but if you're going to talk about relievers, what about Bockler? He's a cool guy. Bockler would be interesting. He was with, yeah, he was going to be the storm pitching coach in 2020. Um, and I don't think he's with the organization. He was at, um, Tiger spring training today. I don't know if he's like an instructor or in the minors or whatever, but he's out, he's out in Florida. (laughs) Oh, he could be. I, I know he has ties there. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So that might, that would be an interesting get, but something we'll we'll put a pin in because, like like I said, I don't want to do the legwork. And I, the, the main, honestly, the number one reason why I, well, okay, I don't know what the number one reason is, but the, there's two main reasons um, that I am kind of like not necessarily wanting this to be guest driven. One is you know interviewing having an interview is a lot of pressure because. When I do an interview with when I've interviewed players, I try to ask them stuff that like I try to Google them and look to see if they've done interviews and if they've been asked questions. Like it's it's kind of looking at FAQs on a website when you go and like buy furniture in IKEA and they have here's all our FAQs about delivery and all this stuff. Because you know, I, I, I can't imagine being a player and having being asked the same questions right. every single effing time that you do an interview. That's, that's, that's one second is the actual asking part. Like I hate, I hate asking people for things. Like I hate having to, you know, ask people to do something like, Hey, can you do this and that? And oh, I don't and know. Just, just leave that to me. That kind of bothered me. Um, yeah. I mean, if, if you're, cause if you're cool with that, like I, I hate that part. Like that's always the worst part of inter- like doing interviews and, and every player I've inter- inter- interviewed, I've never had a guy flat out tell me, no, I won't talk to you when I've asked for an interview. Other guys are like, Hey, like I, I got to do this or that, or, you know, they forget. And then I don't go back and follow up because I don't want to bug them. But most, most, most guys, at least in the minors, and even the guys I've talked to in the big league locker room are always receptive and are always cool. Um, but it's just that, that awkward part of having to ask them. And then once I, once I inter- start interviewing and, and I know that, I'm not bothering them too much, then it's, it's fine. But that whole like initially, Hey, do you have a minute or can I talk to you? It's just very uncomfortable and very awkward. Yeah. It's, I, I mean like in person, maybe I'd be different, but if it's like a matter of tracking someone down and, and trying to get them, I don't know. I could, I can mess around and try to get some interviews, but um, like you said, we'll see where it goes, but it's, it's not about uh, making it guest driven because um, everybody wants more Kevin in their life. It's true. It's it's very on demand and very in demand. Um, people people listen to the show because they they need me in their lives, and I get it. You know, we're tr- we're trying to build this. You know, uh, 
and hopefully more people listen to it because you know why not i don't really care like i mean i we, i just do this for fun if people listen to it and they're crazy enough to listen to these long ass podcasts that we do then more power to them but um we've also talked about trying to keep it to an hour uh once the season starts um once baseball starts because that's going to be the primary thing we talk about on the show i mean but we'll, we'll see where that goes um i want to talk about this uh we we covered the, the the Tatis extension last last show, uh, last week when, when we put that out. But I kind of wanted to do a little bit of a follow up on it because and the, and the portion I want to follow up with is is the big league advance. Um, it was something that kind of came up as a topic, and, and we kind of hit on it a little bit. But <clears throat> there was a the press conference that the that the Padres had. They did a Zoom conference with local and national media. Um, and it was really cool because 97.3 broadcast it um, over the airwaves because I, I, I have access and I have a link to, to go to those things. I just never do because it's, I don't feel like I'm supposed to be there. Um, <laughs> even though I have it, I'm just like, I, I'm probably taking up a space. Do they, do they cap like, those? Actually, like, needs to be there. I believe they do. Um because there was one that they had one time. I can't remember what it might've been last year at the trade deadline. And I was going to kind of go in with uh, the prospect. I remember just shooting one of the guys like message. I'm like, Hey, like am I? Yeah. Maybe it was that. I don't, I don't remember. It might've been that they did like a recap after they did all the trades with Clevenger and the, and the, um the Mariners deals they did. And I was like, Hey, like, am I cool to jump onto this? And they're like, Hey, we're actually going to be pretty full. So don't, and I'm like, okay. But I like they were nice about it. I just I just didn't want to like be presumptuous and just jump on there um, because you know I mean I guess I could have because I, I had the link, but I felt like it would probably be better as somebody who's a um, fringe media member to not piss people off. That's that's my goal is to not see. Be the my one my question about that is like trouble, but, you'd think they'd be able um, to almost tier it where like you could bring in a limited number of people who can ask questions, but then you'd have like everyone else who's ever eligible for credentials. They can just come in and watch. I, I, I'm not, I I'm not saying like you could have, but I just think like that. that. If I, if I, I just, you know, I didn't, but like, like I said, my, my objective is to not, I always have a way of awkwardly doing something stupid and I just don't want to do it. Um, <laughs> Um, so if I can if I can avoid that situation, then I, I try to at all costs. But um, the the point of I think the thing that was first frustrating people was the big league advance thing came up because it was kind of a a sidebar thing with the with the Tatis extension because everybody's looking at the three hundred forty million dollars and the the fourteen year commitment. But all these articles were coming out that said, hey, Fernando Tatis is going to owe this company big league advance 17 to $34 million because they gave him a $500,000 loan uh, a few years ago. And, you know, kind of going back to the story, there was, there was a story in the, e, in the AP um, about it. But a couple of the Padres, um, I don't even know if it was beat writers. I know Kevin Easy asked a question, got kind of shut, shut down and, and Bernie Wilson asked a question and got kind of shut down. And then a couple of other guys who I didn't recognize their names. I don't think they were San Diego media asked questions about it. Would you recommend doing this? And a lot of people got upset 
um, Twitter on Twitter, like a lot of fans, because it was kind of like, why are we talking about this this subject when it's clear that we want to, you know, people want to to get into the and to know more about this, and it, it just kind of struck me as kind of funny because everybody all of a sudden in the, in the media is saying that hey, we have to ask these questions and we have to kind of be difficult and we have to uh, ask the tough questions and. I don't understand why this particular subject kind of turned a lot of people in the media to investigative journalists when there's lots of others, you know, ease the Mike D thing, for example, that a lot of people want to know why Mike D was fired. And there's a story there. Um, and I think people know the story. Um, there are definitely some people who have, or have an idea of what the story is, but don't want to publish it for a, a variety of reasons, which is probably the correct call. But I also don't understand why we have to really pressure Fernando Tatis to answer these questions about the big league advance. Yeah. I mean, your thoughts, the, the, the rule of journalism is to really not leave anything off the table. Like you're going to put the question out there, I think. Um, yeah. I am a, uh, correct. alleged student at a fine journalism school. And, um, the, the thing is, like, you're going to ask. Like, that is a relevant part of the story. You're going to ask the question, and there's nothing legally or ethically keeping you from asking the question. Um, and I think I what irritated some people, there, there, I saw some people who were just like, why would you ever ask that at his press conference, which is like a celebration? And that's not really true. It's a press conference. Um, it, it's a celebratory mood because you're you're, um, well. you're you're declaring to the world that this happened, but you're still allowed to ask questions because it's a press conference. And that's exactly what happened to Bauer. His press conference was celebrating signing a huge contract with the Dodgers. And one of the first questions was, why are you a jackass online? That's still allowed. And with Tatis, fortunately, the question isn't, why are you a jackass online? Because as far as we know, he's a wonderful soul. Uh, The question was, as part of this contract, you owe this money because you signed this deal. You know, tell us all about that. And if he doesn't want to tell us, it's fine. And um, I think asking it over and over, you talk about beating a dead horse. Yeah, because you get to a point where it's like, um, it reminds me of when, Yeah, obviously it's a different situation, but I remember when Aaron Hernandez was on trial. And there was an interview with Rob Gronkowski about, not Aaron Hernandez, it was an interview about like the Super Bowl. And the first reporter asked, you know, some it's a horrible question. It was like, you know, how, you know, do you wish Aaron Hernandez could be here or something? And Gronk said, next question. And the next three questions, people were like asking about Aaron Hernandez. It's like, it gets to the point where it's like, you know, he's not going to talk about it. So um, there's got to be a middle road there. Like, like every, like journalists would be remiss in their duties if they went out into that press conference and just asked softball questions. Like how excited are you to play in San Diego forever? It's not their job. It's a part of their job. But the other part of the job would be like, hey, interesting angle on this contract. Um, you're giving away this money because this deal you signed. We think it's interesting because how's it going to affect players going forward? And we also think it's interesting because you come from a family that's already had someone go through the major leagues and you signed this deal. So that's an interesting angle. But if he says, hey, it's a family decision, I want to talk about it. That's it to me. And I know they tried to rephrase it a little bit, find different angles later on. But to me at that point, it was pretty clear and you're still allowed to ask those questions. But if the Padres and Tatis come out here and say, 
We're not going to answer those questions. We just want to have a celebratory atmosphere. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, I, I think for me, that that's kind of where my criticism of the whole situation lies because after the second or third time where the guy's clearly not going to answer the question, and I, and I, and I counted four questions. I mean, somebody out there wants to there's more or less. I counted four. And I think it's clearly after the second time where he's like, it's a personal matter between me and my family. Um, it's just something we don't really want to get into at this time. Um, to me, um, and again, I, every aspect I give, yes, I, I'm, a, you know, I'm, I'm a writer, I'm a studio media person. I don't really consider myself like a full-fledged member of the media like a Dennis Lynn because that's comparing myself to him or anybody else that actually writes. That is what they do for a living 100% of the time. It's really not a fair comparison. You know, it's, it's just not. Um, I'm not, you know, as talented or as knowledgeable as them. So it's like I'm, I'm going to present it more from the customer angle. I'm, I'm a consumer of media. And I think for me, the bigger story with this, with the situation involving Fernando Tatis is, is the big league advance company themselves. And so there's an article that came out in the AP a couple of weeks ago, or about a week ago, uh, really when Tatis signed this deal. And what ended up happening is for, for a guy like Tatis, he signs this uh, deal and it didn't really specify when he signed it. Um, and there's a couple of questions I would have ab- about this thing, because what they if you read this article, the what big league advances, it started, ironically enough, by a guy that pitched in the minor leagues. And what it is, is they give minor league baseball players in advance. And what they say is like, hey, we're going to give you X amount of dollars right now for really whatever you want it to, to be. You can, you know, it's, it's, it's like a loan. Um a loan with horrible terms if, if you hit it big, but a loan nonetheless where you're, okay, I'm going to give you $100,000 right now, but going forward, I'm going to get 5 to 10% of your future earnings. So if you're a situation in a situation where you're like, you're Fernando Tatis and you hit it big, then they're going to take a huge cut of your money. And the thing that kind of makes it really kind of scammy to me, and this is, purely my opinion and I'll let you jump in if you agree or disagree. But what they do is they basically use an algorithm. Um, they have computers in their machine um, or they, they, you know, they, they go into their computers and they, and they plug numbers into to this like machine they have or app or whatever they use. And when they did the deal with Fernando Tatis, they have a quote from, from the guy who's the founder. And what they said is for us as a company, it's a really a testament for modeling for our, to our modeling capabilities and how well we've been able to predict, predict success for minor leaguers. When we did a deal with Fernando Tatis, he wasn't a top 50 prospect on anybody's list. And here, our numbers said that he was the second best player in the last 15 years, including Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, and all these guys. That's what our modeling told us. It's actually a really scary thing, investing the amount of money we invested in it. It was a sizable portion of our fund, but at the end of the day, we decided to trust the numbers and trust the process, and really, it, it and it really worked out. So, according to this article in the AP, the big league advance has invested in 344 players, um, including 20 in the last year, in the last two months, and the vast majority are not on 40 man rosters. Um, they haven't really specified who it, who's taken this this money and how much and 
what the terms are. The only thing that we really know about it beyond Tatis's situation was Francisco Mejia, um, because he actually sued them, and the, and it ended up getting dismissed. Uh, but he took a, I don't know if he called a loan or he, whatever you want to call it, let's just say he took a loan, and he got three hundred sixty thousand dollars as part of these agreements, and now he's on the hook for ten percent of his future career earnings. So um, he is with the Rays now and. I think if he plays this year, he's going to be start start making the bigger bucks when he's el- arbitration eligible. And so if he hits it big and he breaks out and makes $60, $70 million over the course of his career, he's going to be on the hook to these guys for $7 million after taking 350, which, you know, I'm not a math major, but that, that, you know, that in, if we call it interest, which I don't know if you really would call that interest, because it's, it's a form of gambling. Um, but the form of what they're doing is, is it's not any minor leaguer can get it. What they're doing is they're targeting players, and I don't know what backgrounds they're looking for. And what Tati said at the time when he took the loan, when he, t- he told the Athletic in 2018 that it was basically to get better housing, afford a training, you know, better training and better food because you know it's really difficult to eat clean. Um, it's expensive. You can't, you know, if he's not going to pump his body full of McDonald's and Chipotle. You know, and he wants to have better food. It's, you know, his, 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 you know, that, that type of diet is not going to be supported on a minor league salary. The question also is, you know, again, it's more of a personal question, but it kind of makes you think too, because Tatis came from, I don't know if he, what the, what their financial situation is, is right now, but um, his dad made about $17 million playing major league baseball. And Tatis did get a $700,000 bonus when he signed with the White Sox back in 2016. But um, to me, this whole big league advancing comes across yeah, as kind of it, It's an interesting right? angle. I didn't read the details on the algorithm and how they choose only certain players, but that really uh... – And they didn't really specify what they look at, but um, they apparently have some data that said Tatis is a – 17, 18 year old kid. And when he signed this deal, um, if it was the 2017, 2018 season, he was in Fort Wayne, uh, it, it would make some sense uh, that, uh, you know, that that was before he really broke out. He broke out that season and then kind of became. Yeah. You know, and, and one it's, of the top it's two just a, uh, in baseball. I, I think anything that doesn't, make itself available to all players should be deeply concerning. And I think that, uh, um, like you said, the bigger story here is the company, not, not whether why Tatis took this deal. The bigger story is this company and, and what they're trying to get out of this and how they're doing it. Um, I remember reading about how there are a lot of different kinds of loans that are not legally allowed, especially in California to be given to members of the military because they're almost predatory for the way that that soldiers live and they move. And um, when you go near a military base, there's usually a a rent center and Aaron's furniture because they finance furniture. And um, it reminds me of that. And and there's two things that really stick stick with me out of this is one is a business model that is um, really in my mind, looking for the foreign players is that going to stand up in court? And two, 
Um, what does this say about the way that we treat minor league players? I remember when um, um, Acuna signed the extension with Atlanta that um, is almost laughable today. Um, but he had his reasons for signing it. He was not from a family with any means, and it was a, it's still a lot of money. And I remember one of his Braves teammates tweeted about how he remembered being in, in rookie ball. And rookie ball, there'd be, you know, it's high school kids and it's kids from the Dominican and uh, Latin America. And he remembers his teammates who were from other countries. They would uh, go to the grocery store and they'd buy a big bag of rice after they cashed their check. And then they would take the rest of the money and wire it back home. And they just lived on that rice. And it, it's um, it, it's a situation we don't understand yeah. because we're used to players being uh, – uh, they go through high school or they go through college, they get drafted, and their their parents are usually in some sort of situation where if they're not actively helping them, they're not needing their help. Um, so there's some sort of stability there. But that adds the other angle with Tatis that you would think that that wasn't the case for him. We don't know, but you would think that because his father had the finances and the uh, experience of going through Major League Baseball. So it's another wrinkle to it. But um, it is an, yet another thing that I know for you covering the minors for as long as you have and anyone that takes an interest in what goes on there, it's just another black eye on how we, we treat these players, especially the players that come out of Latin America. It is because you, you, you look at a situation where a lot of these Latin players when they sign and think about, and that's why I get really annoyed when I hear dipshit people fans saying, well, why can't these guys speak English or, or why don't why they've been in this country for this long? Why don't they speak English? You got to understand like a lot of these kids from the Dominican Republic, from Venezuela, from, um, you know, in, insert Colombia, you know, with like a guy like Luis Patino who signed out of Colombia, Panama, all the different countries they sign out of. You're taking a kid from the Dominican Republic at 16 years old. Think about yourself at 16. This kid's, a, you know, you're a sophomore or junior in high school, right? And you're taking them and ripping them away from their family. And you're going to go to this other strange land that you've never been to. You don't speak the language. And hey, now you got to perform because like your family's financial future is on your back because, you know, everybody wants to make it. And you get into that type of situation. And I can't imagine the pressure at, at that age, having to deal with that. And then you get to a, a degree where, okay, like you're one of these guys we're targeting because you, you had a year in, in the Arizona League and you look like you're the real deal. And we're going to offer you this life-changing sum of money you know, for, for anybody, but especially if, if you come from a background. And I know Tatis came from a different background because you know it doesn't seem like he grew up poor, but a lot of these guys have. Like you mentioned Acuna. And some of these other guys, like a guy like Francisco Humihia, when he accepted this deal, he had a sick mom and was just trying to, you know, have money for for whatever. And so they basically said, okay, Francisco Mejia, when he was in the Indians organization in A ball, I believe in 2016 it was 15 or 16, uh, he had a 50 game hitting streak in in, in high A. Um, he was in the, on the supposed to be on the Carolina Carolina League All Star team that was played at. Like Elsinore, I was he was one of the guys I was excited to see, and I think he got promoted or was out of the game for whatever reason. But he gets targeted in this, and then yeah, okay, I take this the sum of money, and now I'm on the hook for ten percent of my future earnings, which could be next to nothing. If let's just say if Francisco Mejia 
let's say he gets released tomorrow. I mean, his career earnings in the big leagues are probably one one million, one point five million, somewhere around there with you know his service time. And so, yeah, ten percent of that's one hundred fifty grand. He did okay. He actually came out with a profit, but then a guy like let's just say you know somebody who comes out of, of the minor leagues and signs a hundred million dollar deal or fifty million dollar deal, your the interest in that loan is just crazy high. And like you said, it's not something that everybody can get. I mean, if the Padres draft a guy in the thirty second round, or you know maybe that's a bad example because the draft is going to get short. They draft a guy in like the twentieth round, and that's a, a senior out of some division two college that signs for $1,000. And it's like, here's a, here's a, a grand in a, in a, in a plane ticket to, to Peoria. And you're going to go play in the Arizona rookie league. That guy is not getting offered this big league advance. They're not going to say, Hey bro, like 150 grand right now. We get 10% of your earnings. They're, they're looking at, they're basically using data. And I, and I would be really, what I would be really interested in is, okay, of the 344, um, players that you signed like what are, what is their background do they are is it is it primarily from kids from latin america because can you imagine think about yourself at 18 17 18 19 um i, I I'll, I'll speak for myself and you, and you can chime in i was an idiot um you can make the debate that i still am but i i knew nothing about money or finances and what you look at is, is the immediate of like, yeah, like I, I've taken, you know, a few years ago, um, you know, five, six, seven years ago, I got into a bad spot financially and had to take a loan that ultimately had like a 40 or 50% interest rate just because I needed to get some repairs under my car. And like, I needed it done like now, because it's like, if I don't have a car, I can't go to work. I can't, you know? And so I probably shouldn't have taken that loan because it was, I paid, paid it off, paid it off early. Um, but you look at some of these loans that are out there that are predatory and I can't imagine being in a situation like what, what, what is it that they're targeting? And it's obviously if you're in a situation where you, how, how many of these guys, what, what are the names that are behind these guys? And they probably aren't going to disclose it. And I don't think they legally have to, but that's the part of, for me that I would be super curious about is I'm sensitive about it. Um, You know, 18, I was an idiot and financially I've still been an idiot until about, you know, three weeks ago. And uh, uh, I don't, I just feel a little smarter about things the last, probably last year. What changed three weeks ago? Um, I'm a victim of predatory loans. And and that was something that really bit me when I was living in in central California, I was trying to uh, support the, the living situation I was in with someone else. And, uh, um, working a lot of jobs and you end up running on a treadmill and, and you, you can't get off. And um, that's, a, that's a tough thing to look at. Um, I, I had trouble moving to Northern California. It felt like another country to me. So these guys, like you said, they're coming from the, these countries that are, are different lifestyle and they're moving here. And um, it, it angers me to see something that is based on a percentage of income that is definitely, I mean, they may not be able to prove they're targeting Latin players, but um Show me, a, show me a kid with a high school diploma in the U.S. that signed one of these deals. Uh, I, I haven't heard of it. I'm sure there's maybe a couple examples, but the percentage would be pretty skewed. Um, it's loan sharking, and I get like like what you're saying. Like they're 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 coming out of their defense. Well, it's like gambling. Um, it, it, it's just a tough thing because um, these these kids only win if they wash out. Yeah, 
and and that's what happened with like you know you know Stellarte actually signed a similar loan with another company a, a, a few years ago and he's with the Padres uh he got a it, 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 there's a story in it was done in Fox Sports um that I read kind of in preparation for this and it was really if you remember Solarte's story when he's with the Padres is uh his wife had a baby um they have three 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 girls and the third child was born prematurely and they tried to figure out the reason why it was born she was born prematurely two months prior to and they found cancerous tumors in her liver and basically yeah she's going to be terminal and so he signed another a, a similar deal where he got fronted 3.15 million dollars from this company and the the thought with that is that hey like we have three little kids she's not going to be around and they need to be cared for and obviously anybody with kids knows that like yeah love is great but you know you need you need money you know kids aren't cheap you know they they need braces and and different things and and college and and so he took me that decision to do it and he signed a i think it was about a seven and a half million dollar extension with the padres and he's kind of washed out of baseball since then. Um, he just signed with the Tijuana Toros, which I can't imagine, you know, a Mexican league paying. I don't think they pay super great money considering it's, it's, it's basically triple a. So he's probably playing, playing for next to nothing. So in his situation, maybe that worked out well for him. Uh, but I, I just, it's that whole, just this whole situation to me, I just think like, I, I, I think if, if I'm a journalist, what I want to know is like, what are the profiles of the players you're looking at? Are you targeting just guys that you plug into a spreadsheet where it's like, okay, there's this person from this background that is American, or are you going after players that are going to take, it's, it's essentially a gamble. Um, and with, with, in a situation like Tatis, I mean, it's massive for that company because they you turn a five hundred thousand dollar investment into a thirty four million dollar gain. I mean, that is the deal we all hope to make when we save all our baseball cards and, and, and do stuff like that, just to ultimately make sure that you know we're we're making money. Um, you know, on that it's 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 that type of thing where you just hope that hey, if I spend a little bit now, I'll make this huge payout later, and um, that's to me when we look at this whole Tatis deal and we talk about it. That is 100% where I think the focus of any type of investigative investigative yeah, journalism, uh, if you totally. even want to call Who it that, targeting should lie from. Exactly. That is, that is 100%. That is the story. Um, I mean, hell, maybe I'll write it myself <laughs> and, and try to figure out, like, what, why, what is this company doing? What are they targeting? How? Like, I mean, I, I don't think that they can probably legally, like I said, I don't think they can legally share who these players are. But let's let's take the, let's take the names off and let's figure out what's the background. Is it just is it just based on performance and future um, projected earnings? Like, or, that's the I think that's the question, and I feel a lot more comfortable with it if it was a collection of American and international type of players. And I just I I because. Pr- like I said, man, you imagine you imagine being 16 years old and you're like, hey, you're really good at baseball. Um, you're gonna we're gonna take you from Escondido, because that's where you grew up. 
or take me from El Cajon and we're going to drop you in uh, Caracas and you're going to go to Venezuela and you're going to try to train to become a major league baseball player. And you've never been to out of the country. You don't speak the language. The culture is completely different. Um, being a 16 year old kid in that situation, I probably, there's no probably, but I would have been scared to death. And so I think a situation where you have these guys, I, I it's just something I, I think is really, I, I, I have more questions than you to be answered. I don't want to, I don't want to jump to conclusions and blame the company, but from, from the outside looking in to me, like I would have a lot of questions that I would like to know. And so maybe those questions are going to answer at some point. Who knows? Um, this is something I want to talk about um, just because it's really frustrating me the other night. Um, and it's kind of a hockey topic, but not really. I think it's applicable to all sports. So I was watching the, my favorite hockey team is the Anaheim Ducks. I adopted them a few years ago uh, just because I decided I wanted to watch hockey and I didn't want to root for the Kings because I felt like everybody in Southern California who likes hockey Roots for the Kings just because they're the LA team. And I don't really consider Anaheim to be LA. And so I'm okay, cool. Let's let's start watching the Ducks. And I've grown to really enjoy it. And so I was watching the game the other night. They played in hockey this year, they're playing basically series where they play back-to-back games against the same opponent in the same city, generally speaking. There's been some few, a few one-offs, uh, but for the most part, that's how it's done. And the and the the the, the Ducks have the distinction of Played in Phoenix uh, two games earlier this week, had three nothing leads in both games and lost both games. Um, the the second game was extra dramatic because they had a three nothing lead in the third period, gave up three goals fairly quickly, went to three on three overtime and and lost. So you can you can have the silver lining that they got a point, but you lost the game and it, it made me think about tanking um, and. How do you feel about tanking is that? How how um, do you feel about tanking? It's a double-edged sword because it is the best way to exploit the conditions that the leagues create to try to create parity. So if you're going to rebuild, you've got to suck at some point because uh, I forget who came up with the quote, but the worst thing is mediocrity. Mediocrity is worse than being a terrible team because your draft pick is going to be in the middle of the pack. But there is a dark side to tanking in that – what if the rebuild doesn't end, you know, like let's look at tanking as like you're going to the bottom of the ocean and you got to swim your way back to the top. What if you're just never seeing the light? And we've seen organizations do that. And um, the coyotes are kind of one of them. They made the playoffs last year, but they're still, they're mired in like a a 12 year rebuild. And um, the Padres felt that way for a while. And you look at these teams and it's like, Yes, the best way to do it mm-hmm. is to go all the way to the bottom and play some veterans that you're hoping you turn around enough to trade away and come back with this core of a few veterans and all these guys you develop, kind of what the Padres are doing right now. But how many teams pull it off? So it scares fans. It scares the crap out of fans. Like, what if we're going to suck for 20 years? It's a valid point, and this is why I'm pro tanking. I'm going to use the, the Ducks as an example. So the Ducks, in the you know the early part of the of the of the century, you know in the 2000s and into the 2010s, they were one of those teams that was perpetually in the playoffs. They were one of the model organizations in in, in the National Hockey League. They won the Cup in 2017. 
Naturally, when I start following them is when they decide to suck. The Ducks are kind of trying to do this thing where they're like rebuilding on the fly. And so what they did is they um, had a situation a couple of years ago where they had some tradable players like an Adam Henrique and, and, and Yakov Silverberg, guys who aren't star players, but are kind of like solid, you know, second line, third line forwards in the NHL guys that can score 20 goals are capable of doing that. Um, Henrique scored 26 last year in a shortened season, minus scored 30 if they played all 82. Uh, and instead of really tr- trading those players for assets, what the ducks did is they basically, not basically, they re-signed these guys to contracts and, and signed them to multi-year contracts. And what it's done is they've been bad, but they've just been not bad enough. And so every year when the draft lottery comes out, they're picking sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. Um, you know, they hit a home run, it looks like, with Trevor's egress. Um, but in the NHL, with the way the draft works, you're typically getting the first two or three picks are, are pretty much NHL ready. Um, depending on the draft and everybody else is going to take, you know, two years, three years to develop some guys. If they're American born players, they play in college. And so the ducks have never really done a full rebuild. And you know, what it's caused is you suck because you don't have enough talent, but at the same time you've signed guys to long, like they put Adam Henrique on, on waivers uh, last week. Adam Henrique was a guy that resigned a couple years ago. They, they acquired him from the New Jersey devils signed him to like a five year, $25 million contract, something like that where he's making $5 million a year. They, they paid Silverberg a, a similar salary, and they have Cam Fowler signed through like 2028 or something crazy. Um, you know, they're paying a lot of money to their goalie, John Gibson. They're paying a lot. They've been paying a lot of money to Ryan Getzlaff, who's their captain and will probably go down after this year in, in salary if, if they resign him, which I'm assuming they will. But the point of it is that they, they, they've, they've, they've just been more in medioc- mediocrity. Every year, this team, you know, they're not going to score enough coming into a year. You know, they got a really good goalie, but that's going to be mitigated because their offense is so bad. They don't spend enough time in the offensive zone. The other team's going to get 35 shots on goal. They get 35 shots on goal. Three of them go in. You lose every game three to one, three to two. And that's basically what's happened with the Ducks this year. They, they have six wins in 15 games, something I believe, or six wins in like 21 games. Excuse me. They're six and 15, essentially. They have a bunch of overtime losses because. They play close games because their goalie, John Gibson, is one of the best goalies in the world. Keeps him in every game. It's kind of like how the Padres were in the you know the 2007, 2008 era where they would lose a lot of games that were low-scoring games because they had really good starting pitching. Their pitching could keep them in the game, but their offense was terrible. It's very similar. There's a lot of parallels to it. And so when you look at around Major League Baseball, I think the Padres – Taint. There's there's no debate about it, and I think tanking is 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 something that's done from an organizational standpoint. It's not necessarily players. I don't think a player is ever going to go out and try to lose on purpose or fail on purpose. Um, one because they're trying to get paid, they're trying to get to that next phase of their career. But when you're one of these teams that you 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 kind of do this half-assed effort to compete, I almost feel like it's worse than. It's kind of having like six guys in your lineup that are like that are average. It's like okay, this this offense is average, but it's not elite, so we're not going to score enough runs, and we're going to still go you know seventy six and eighty six every year. We're going to pick in the middle, you know, in the top ten, you know, maybe like 
the back half of the top 10, early teens, and we're never going to get a chance to get this elite player. Whereas we know that when you have higher a higher draft pick, the chances of you getting a, a, a contributor are higher. Now, maybe in baseball, it's, it's the least likely because I think baseball of the four major sports is the biggest crapshoot of them all. But it kind of got me thinking about when you look at like what the Padres were able to accomplish, what they decided to do is like, you know, we're just not going to spend the money on our big league payroll and we're going to start investing that in amateurs. You know, they went out and spent $60 million or whatever, or hundred, really a hundred million dollars with penalty uh, when they went nuts and signed all those international guys like Morahone and Onya and, you know, Patino among many others. And that's really where this progression started. So now when you look at everything over a five-year period, that tanking helped them get Mackenzie Gore, helped them get Cal Quantrill and some other guys that they were able to kind of throw in there. And so I get that it's a slippery slope, but I think be, if, if you're going to lose, if you're not going to win, obviously I want my team to go out there and I want them to win every year, but sometimes that's not possible. If your team has a plan that says, Hey, we're going to bottom out for a few years and here are the steps that we're going to do to kind of get back there. I think that's a better approach than just trying to, it's kind of what the Orioles were doing up until a few years ago. And now they're starting to to really bottom out and on, on paper, they might be the worst baseball team I've ever seen. I think they're even worse than the pirates. I know people have given the pirates a lot of crap, but like, do you remember a couple springs ago where like the market was really slow and, and then the Orioles just kind of out of oh, left yeah. field say, Hey, let's give Alex Cobb four years. Well, and here we are. Million. You remember that? How, how'd that work out? Yeah. They, you remember when they tried they, they signed Chris Davis. They said, Hey, this guy was good for like two years. He, uh, he hits a bunch of home runs, but he is, strikes out 250 times a year. Let's give that guy $126 million. It didn't work out so well. And I think when you make these like half-ass attempts to compete, that's what the Ducks have done. I mean, the Ducks don't have a, a very rosy salary cap situation. Um, they have a lot, and they just have a lot of these mediocre players that like right now, there's not really, outside of Gibson, there's not really one player on their roster where I think opposed, maybe like a Hampus Lindholm but like, there's not really a guy on there that you're going to get back value for. And so you're just going to have these crappy, mediocre teams. And you can't really go out and acquire that guy that's going to put you over the top. So you have to kind of like depend on these mediocre young youngsters and hope that you hit a home run with one or two or three of them. And that's how you get back to contention. And for me, it's, you know, one of my favorite things to do, and I'm not saying that I'm qualified to be a GM when I do this, it's just how I like to play video games. But when I play like out of the park baseball, I like to take a crappy team. I just like to strip it down to the bare bones and start stockpiling money and then start adding l- little pieces here and there. And then kind of do what the Padres did. They went out and they signed Hosmer. Um, whether you like that move or not, like they, they made it. The next offseason, let's go get Machado. Okay, now Tatis is the guy we thought he's going to be and really more. I, I mean, I didn't think Tatis is going to be this good. I knew he's going to be good, but like, I didn't think he would be like best player in baseball. Good potential. Like he's shown. So we go out there and, and now we're going to start adding pitchers and we're going to use this capital that we've accumulated. And I hate referring to human beings as capital, but that's really what they did. And I feel like that is the approach. to Yeah. I, I mean, the ducks are, are a really great example of polishing a turd and uh, the diamondbacks are kind of doing that, but they're not as financially screwed 
on paper as the Ducks. They have Bumgarner, uh, Bumgarner throwing about five miles an hour faster than I do for $85 million. But um, their only financial limitations are their owner crying broke while supporting government insurrectionists. But uh, the Ducks are an interesting uh, – yeah, you know, the, the, the Diamondbacks are my local team, and I, I wish them third place, and they just won't take it. And uh, the um, the Ducks, I, I got to watch a lot of the Ducks when I lived on the central coast of California until this past year, and I thought the Ducks were going to be my team, and uh, they were when I was a kid. There's a little plush wild wing next to me whenever I'm podcasting here. I like the Ducks. Um, and, and what's fascinating about the organization is um, they have a franchise goaltender who's just barely entering his prime and they locked him up like you'd want to do. And they have um, a, a decent young core forwards. They gave some okay extensions to now they're trying to trade someone away. I heard there, there's rumors around Ricard Raquel, but they, they had these draft picks that they just assumed were going to step into every hole in the roster. Kind of like the 99 Padres with Sean Burroughs, Ben Davis, Mike Dar, Gary Matthews Jr., where they're just like, hey, every every spot on this roster is going to be taken over by Maxime Comtois. And all these guys were going to step in and just do these jobs. That's not how it works, especially in, in a sport like hockey. These, these guys take time to, to get used to the physicality and everything. And, the, um, and then – Murray has this habit with the Ducks of throwing an extension at everyone who looks at him and smiles. Like, Henrik got a big extension. Fowler's there for life. Gibson has a huge extension that he, he – there's some rumors about him wanting to trade. I'm not sure how true those are. I think it's just some people just stirring, stirring muck. Who knows? But um, they've got this team that's in friggin' purgatory. And the NHL draft is not like the Major League draft. It's more like the NBA draft. It just goes on longer because there are just so many players in so many different situations. And in the NHL, you can draft someone and they can go to college and you hold their rights. So there's a few more things that give you incentive to draft players in the third, fourth round. But the NHL, like you remember when the Penguins just had this god-awful year with Lemieux not playing and they – tanked the shit out of it and they got Crosby and Crosby got to play alongside Lemieux and was it fair? Absolutely not. I still hate the Penguins for it but it's kind of what you do because sometimes that there's that one, two, maybe three generational players at the top of the NHL draft and the Ducks have seen none of them because they're always just good enough to go into a late season series against a team that's tanking and Gibson stonewalls them for three periods and they win two to one. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's my point is like being being it. Think of it like winning is heaven, losing is hell, and losing but not losing bad enough is purgatory. It's like you're you're never gonna make it to heaven if you're in purgatory, and so that's kind of how I feel with that. We're watching this team is you know the bright spot with that team has been Maxime Comtois this year is turned into a really useful player. He leads a team in goals. I think he leads a team in points. Um, but outside of him, Troy Terry hasn't done anything. You know, they, they got Dalton Heinen and Sonny Milano, these guys that may be something, but they're not anything. So they're not contributing. Ryan Getzloff is just a guy at this point. Really needs – he'd be a really good um, center if he played with line mates that could actually score. Um, but he, his, what he, his strength is kind of mitigated because they don't have that sniper that can score, you know, 30 goals. Um, so it's just this team that like, 
Now maybe this year they start to bottom out a little bit because they, they've been getting steamrolled and they're they're playing in a, in a division this year. Where they have to play Vegas, uh, Colorado, and St. Louis twenty one times, um, and those are probably three of the best teams in hockey. And so obviously they have a hard time beating Vegas. Um, they got killed by St. Louis and couple of the games I saw so maybe this is the year where they start to really bottom out and maybe they there's been rumors about maybe them changing general managers I think a lot of fans if, if you go on um, a Ducks thread and I'm gonna try and turn this into the Ducks talk I'm just using this as an example um, people are ready for them to fire their coach and, you know it's kind of like how we were fire Norv back when we were Charger fans um, you know, I think a lot of people the fire Andy Green things that they're the the fans, the hardcore fans of the, of the Ducks that have been uh, following the team for years are at that point now where they're just like let's just let's just cut bait, like get rid of uh, you know get rid of of Bob Murray and Dallas Aikens, yeah. former uh, I believe he was the first coach. He was, he was, a, he was the only one until until he, um, he was he definitely promoted, a yeah. coach. I don't know if he, I think he was the first, but yeah, now it's Kevin Deneen, but yeah. Yeah, so it's, but that's where I'm at. I, I think it, it really depends. Now, if you're a Pirates fan, you're probably thinking I'm I'm an idiot. Um, but the Pirates hired an executive. Uh, they're going to have the first pick in this draft. They're probably going to take the right-handed pitcher Kumar Rocker. Um, they they took Garrett Cole and uh, back in the day, and that worked out pretty well for them because those Pirates teams, you know, of the early you know the early tens were were pretty good. They only uh, they never won the division, so they 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 got thrust into that wild card game every year. But um, it's it's a good place to start, and you know you you start trading some of the players that you have right now, and you start seeing okay, is Cabrian Hayes the the real deal? Is um, you you know are some of these pitchers that they have in their organization are they going to work out? Um, and and I think if if you have an organization that com- that can, that shows commitments to winning, I think eventually it could be good. Now the Pirates have been kind of perpetually the cheapest team, if not in baseball, they've been one of the, one of the bottom five. They're always a team that even in the McCutcheon days, the, the when he was winning MVPs, um, they, they never really had huge payrolls. And I think kind of what the Padres are doing is kind of unprecedented. Um, but they, they, they take, I mean, when you, when you, you think about the roster, even some of these rosters that, that, that you had in, in the pro era, like the six, you know, was it, 16 or 17 when they signed Jared Weaver, we're going to say, hey, we know a guy only throws like 84, um, but hey, maybe he's got another 150 innings in that arm. And it turned out like he didn't. He had nothing left. And, you know, we're, we're watching that um, and trying to sell ourselves and like, hey, maybe Eric Lauer can can be something. And, you know, two years ago, the rotation really on opening day, you had Lauer and then Joey Lucchese coming in, making his major league debut. And two years later, like Lucchese, they're like, he's not even good enough to be on this roster. Um, you know, l- l- even last year, I mean, we all thought Lucchese is your number five starter. And they're like, he's not even one of the 15 best pitchers that we have on the major league roster. Like he made an appearance early in the season. and was basically a USD the whole year. And I think when you look at part of what started this trend towards the Padres becoming what they hopefully will become is is tanking um now the Padres never came out and said hey we're, we're trying to lose on purpose but you know when, when you're throwing out some of the names that they've 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 thrown out there and 
looking at just look at the shortstop position before Fernando Tatis. I mean, it's just like Eric Ibar and Clint Barmas and uh, Alexi Amarista, Alexi Ramirez, like just every crappy player. You know, we were trying to sell ourselves on, hey, you know, maybe, uh, maybe. You know, I'm trying to think of like a guy like Aaron Cunningham is useful. Not to pre prowler, but all these different guys that we've tried to like. Could even do you do you remember your, yourself like in those years of that like 2011 to 2018? Is there any like one shitty player that you tried to sell? I don't know if there's a guy I really thought. I tried to, I, I, really I really thought this guy, guy was, thought gonna he was gonna be the truth. truth. Um, I was out of market, so I didn't really like. I didn't have to. Yeah, Kyle Blinks is, is one of the guy that comes to mind. Where everybody thought Kyle Blinks was going to be like a thirty-five home run year basher, and he really he, he wasn't. They tried to put him in left field, and we were yeah. Hey, you know what? Yeah, Blinks had like a lot of, of six, hope attached to him. One for me on a left, personal level. Left field. Um, I uh, remember I was couldn't. living in San Luis Obispo, and I was living in an apartment above a barn on a ranch, and. Um, it's a whole other story. And uh, I remember um, when Brett Kenny got called up. And I knew in the back of my head he probably wasn't going to be much. But at the time, he was like, what, 12 and 2 in AAA? And yeah, like he had some like absurd numbers in AAA. And, and you're like, you're, you're kind of telling yourself, like, something like that. He's not probably going to be much, but AAA is a hitter's league. So like, you're like, you're doing this like, fan math in your head where you're like but even if he's like mediocre in triple a he's doing this so you're like okay and i happen to have i was i worked early that day so i was home to watch a game and back then i was working retail and it was kind of rare for me to be home in time to watch games and i remember i remember telling my my girlfriend at the time i was like i'm putting on the padres tonight and i'm gonna sit here and uh, i got brett kenny coming up and you know it's nice to be excited about someone coming up because there hasn't been a lot of that lately like i'm just gonna crack a beer and Watch this. It's going to be really cool. And, and uh, I sat there in this tiny apartment that smelled like horse shit, and I watched uh, Brett Kenny get torched. And that was uh, – I think so. And that was a real um, – that was a real humbling day That was day in Milwaukee, wasn't That it? was a moment where I started to doubt the rebuild as a whole. Yeah, and I think that's that's fair, and I, and I think a lot of the critics, you know, Preller got a lot of criticism up until last year, and I think a lot of it was was maybe justified, but I think it was clear that he had a plan in place, and you have to kind of see it to, to fruition. I think the point you make is a really good one: is that you don't know how long it's going to take, and you don't you take, and you don't know how long it's going right. to, you know, if it's going to work, and then if it doesn't work, then you, somebody else is going to come in in that process, and it's all over again, and so. I can see that being the really the the big debate. And as a fan, you know, you kind of start thinking like, when is it going to happen? When is it going to work out? And I think for the Padres, I think a lot of the skepticism was they had a fire sell at 93 and like, Hey, they're selling us on these players. And outside of Melvin, Hoffman, yeah, I mean, none of them really turned panned out. I was there um, for his uh, Padres you know, debut, a lot, a lot and I could be exaggerating, Melvin but I know Nieves, he struck right? out at least three him? times. Like my- and I remember like the audible groans from the crowd because you're rooting for this guy to be. I mean, yeah, 
the book wasn't that he was going to be, you know, Tony's replacement, but you're hoping he becomes like the everyday outfielder because you're like, you know, we saw what we gave up in McGriff. We gave up a guy in his prime who is a French, I, I would say a French Hall of Famer. Yeah, Frimmergriff probably is a Hall of Famer. That that's that's another debate. If we when we bring back our Hall, very good. Maybe we'll do that next time because we haven't done that in a while. But um, it's just like you know, you look at some of these guys like like Mike Dar. You know, and tragically, um, he he passed away in that accident. And you know, there's been some debate about what happened. And you know, there's not really debate, but like you know, I just he passed away and it was tragic. I mean, the only thing we get from him is is an annual article in the, in the EVT. But outside of that, I mean, he didn't really, you know, contribute to, to the big league roster. And you have all these different guys we try to sell ourselves on. Um, Jesus Guzman was one for me where I'm like, um, that was probably, I think that was probably the last time. Because I, when you're younger, you look at, and it's stuff that like my dad taught me, like, oh, this guy hit 275 as a 22-year-old. It means he's only going to get better from here. And then you see a lot of guys like that. That's like all they ever do. And Jesus Guzman was one of those guys where um, I think the first year they had him, he hit like 320 or something absurd. Um, the guy was just, just looked like um, a lot of parallels to Jose Martinez um, who came up with the Cardinals where it's just, they don't really have a position defensively, um, but, but they could hit. And then Jesus Guzman turned out like he really couldn't hit. And he didn't have a defensive position. And we're trying to sell ourselves on this guy becoming uh, a dude. And, you know, Larice Durango, I man, he, he, he's fast. You know, honestly, um, who I – What a tool he could have. In that area you're talking about, that day. window of, of yeah, subtitude, well, I really so, for a minute thought this was going to be a piece that they're going to be able to build around when they bring up Tatis and some other guys. Austin Hedges. When he had that like five minutes of hitting, I was like, "Ooh, here we go, catcher." Yeah, my thing with, but there but was I, I, I wasn't following nearly the that way I you saw were in Austin Hedges. That so like when he would get on a hot streak, I was like, "Ever gonna man, like this hit. is gonna be this is gonna be something here." What we what we talked about. Um, with with Mad Friars is that like if Austin Hedges hits two thirty he's going to be a star just because of how good he was defensively and I think Austin Hedges yeah. has just become like there was that year I think in eighteen where he got hot at the end of the season and his 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 WRC plus like went all the way up to like ninety which is shitty but it's like okay with his defense if he if that's what he's doing like that's not that bad you you can live with that and so. He's just become such a bad hitter that any value that he brought defensively is kind of outweighed by how how just how utter utterly inept he is. I mean, he's legitimately one of the worst hitters that has ever played Major League Baseball. Like there, it's like if you look at his numbers and you go back in time and you, and you look at everything, he has been so bad. It's not even like, okay, I would kill for him to hit 210 with like a 300 on base percentage. But I mean, his, his crew on base percentage is like 250 or 260. It is, I mean, 
it, it it's it, it's it's as bad as watching pitchers hit. And I and I, I remember last year in the in the series in Cleveland, and they brought him off the bench to pinch hit. And I'm like, I don't care who the hitter is. I don't care if it's lefty on lefty, and the lefty that you have hits 150 off of lefties or something like like a Jock Peterson situation where the Dodgers just would not give him at bats against lefties because he just couldn't hit. There, I, I would not put Austin Hedges in a position to bat with a game on the line. Like, and the, and the fact that the Indians did that was laughable, and they deserved to lose, and they and they got and they reaped what they sowed. Um, and this year, he's going into this year as one of the highest paid players. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I was just hoping would just be, just I'm like, bro, just just hit two thirty with a little bit of pop, and you're fine. Austin Hedges might have might have been better in the like eighties, where every catcher and every shortstop on every team hit two twenty, and with like nothing nothing to contribute offensively. That's just what the shortstop position. Cat your your shortstop hit seventh, your catcher hit eighth, and you know your boppers were in the middle of the lineup, and you just got to the end. And these are our defensive specialists. That's why guys like Rafael Billiard have like fifteen year major league careers. Guys like that they can't they can't contribute offensively don't really have a place in the game anymore. Um, and I think that's kind of what you're continuing to see. So um, I would like to get your guys' thoughts out there. So maybe I'll, maybe we'll do a poll. Um, we, we, we've actually kicked around the idea of, of doing a, a website as well. So, I mean, maybe, maybe that's something that you'll see from us in the, coming up here. Um, we've got a few minutes before we get out of here. Have you got anything else you want to add in there? I don't think so. I think, I think this has been our, our best yet. Yeah, I mean, we're we're talking a lot. I mean, we we want to do other things with this too. I think we've talked about maybe doing a little bit of of writing uh, here and there. Um, don't know about what. I haven't really written much outside of Manifiers over the years, and um, I don't really know what I would write about beyond that. But I kind of like the challenge of maybe having the post uh, produce something every week. Um, you know, maybe a couple times a week. Um, thoughts on sports. You know, we we still want to do music stuff here and there. Um, maybe get back to our album swap. We, we've kind of dropped the ball on that. My, you know, I'll blame me. I'll take the blame. That's my fault. Blame me. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's kind of, no, let's just, do. Uh, let's keep but it up. Let's go it's weekly. Probably time to and, get out uh, of here. Anything through else the website, that'd be cool. I feel woefully out of practice writing. So that'd be cool to get back into it. We, we've done, we've done two in a week. So, um, we're getting there. So hopefully next week we'll have some games to talk about. Uh, hopefully you know, yeah. we'll be able to see them on TV. We've only got 10 games uh, where the Dodgers get all of them. So we should be jealous I'll, of that. Uh, I'll be able to report back from Wednesday. be able to watch the game, but you know, baseball's back and um, should be fun. 